Welcome to Cold Water Hot Coffee, disciplines for starting your day with clarity and purpose. I'm Nate Scharf. I'm your host. If you've been looking for ways to get inspired, if you've been looking for a way to get your head off your pillow in the morning without groaning, if you question why you're here or what you're doing or how you ended up with the life you're living, you've come to the right place. This podcast exists to invigorate your mood and clarify your mission. Welcome to Cold Water Hot Coffee cold slap start to your day to get you awake and alive. This is episode three. Our title is Starting Over. Let's get to it. In our last session, session two, we unpack strategies that we can add to our routines to create a sense of time abundance, allowing us to shatter the feeling of, quote, not having enough time, quote. In this episode, episode three, we're going to talk about how to start over after dealing with loss. We're going to talk about the process of letting go and how to create a mission statement. Let's get into it. Loss. The more years you spend on this planet, the more likely you're going to experience some loss. I'm not talking about little loss like losing your phone or your car keys, which I do from time to time. I'm talking about significant drop to your knees loss and heartbreak, losing a relationship, a job, a career, a loved one. We always view loss as painful, and it is. These losses fill us with pain. They strip us raw. They leave us questioning our life, our purpose. We feel like we might never recover, and we'll never be the same. We often can't stop thinking about it. This is a suffering place. And my heart goes out to anyone out there who's dealing with significant loss right now. Know this, you're not alone. Sometimes you have to take a knee. You got to give your heart time. Don't rush it. Keep breathing. Keep moving your body. Keep getting outside and seek support. It will get better. I'm 57 now. And like most of you in my age category, I've experienced some loss, death of friends, divorce, career changes, major health battles. In these times, life can really seem like too much. Cruel, cold, uncaring. It can be hard not to feel like a victim. Why me? Why is this happening? Loss happens to us. We really have no control over it. It's unexpected. And it's something that we have to react to. We're not prepared for loss when it knocks on our door. Someone or something that we'd love deeply and considered a fundamental part of our purpose and identity in life, it's gone. Our sense of self is often shattered, heartbroken. We feel lost. I remember getting divorced after 17 years of marriage. I didn't want to get divorced, but I learned you can't make someone love you, even if they should. You might be able to make them stay, but you cannot make them love you. My wife of 17 years announced she was in love with someone else. Boom, the room spun, my vision narrowed, I went into the bathroom and barfed. My entire life construct was shattered with that one sentence. No amount of counseling and bargaining or blaming could change it. This was the first significant experience in my life where I had no other path out other than acceptance. Divorce involves not just losing your partner, but also the collective life you've built together your house, your shared friends, the financial security of your combined incomes. 
and most painful if you have kids, your time with your children. Divorce is a Category 5 life storm, and when you're in it, it feels like nobody wins. Everybody loses. Your choices seem to be limited to hate, blame, shame, guilt, or despair. We see these Category 5 life storms as destructive. They're tearing away familiar, secure, and loving components of our lives. When the storm finally passes and we lift our head up from our grief, we will see we are left with new choices. This is the stage of the loss process where we gain perspective and we start seeing another side to the experience. Perhaps these life storms are a process for clearing a new path in our life. Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. Mark Twain. If you're going through a significant loss or life change and having a hard time with letting go of what was, I'd like to recommend a book that helped me through the process. It's called the Grief Recovery Handbook. Simple book, powerful processes that help you move through grief and the loss of a significant relationship. This book helped me move through the loss of my wife and allowed me to make space for a new relationship with my now ex-wife as a co-parent and friend. My married relationship was dead, but a new relationship rose from those ashes. One of the upsides of being divorced while you're still raising children together is you are forced to work with each other. If you remain angry and resentful, the kids suffer as collateral damage to that war. Children can have the power to help us let go because they return us to our hearts. Our children love both parents. With work, eventually my ex and I came into a new relationship with mutual support in raising our children and being on common ground wherever possible. She became an important ally in the health and well-being of my children. Ultimately, if I really had loved my wife, then I would want her to be happy whether that's with me or without me. Why would I want the mother of my children to be unhappy and hated? How is me hating my ex-wife good for my sons or her or me? I learned neither my partner or my children are my possession. They get to choose if I'm in their life as I do with theirs. So loss always comes with suffering, but when the pain recedes, we often see lessons revealed. What is suffering after all? other than our body or ego telling us, I don't want this to be happening. We don't always get a choice. And the more we hang on, the more we suffer. And oh, the suffering we go through. What is the lesson of all this suffering? The Buddha, founder of Buddhism. This guy lived 2,600 years ago. He's born a prince in India. He renounced his royalty. He lived a life of asceticism. And at age 35, he achieved enlightenment while meditating overnight under a Bodhi tree. Buddhism, as a result of the Buddha, is the world's fourth largest religion following Christianity, Islam, and Hinduism. I identify with both Buddhist and Hindu teachings. I guess you can call me a Hudist or a Bindu. I don't know. I do know I agree with the essential goal of Buddhism, which is to overcome suffering, the Sanskrit word being dukkha, caused by desire and ignorance of reality's true nature. One of the most discussed concepts from the Buddha is that all suffering is tied to attachment. Now, you might listen to that statement and think, damn, Buddha, you're a cold-hearted cynic who really never loved anybody. 
But let's read it again. All suffering is tied to attachment. If it is my attachments that cause suffering, then maybe I need to explore what my attachments are and why do I have them? I've realized that attachments, they're everywhere in my life. My car, my house, my kids, my partner. If I take care of my car, it's going to give me something to drive. If I keep paying my mortgage, I'll have a house to live in. If I pay for my kids' college, they'll appreciate me. If I get married, I won't ever have to worry about being alone. And if I work hard, I will always have a job. Well, shit happens. Your car can get stolen. Your house can catch fire. Your kids will probably get their own lives. The people we have relationships with are not our possessions in our capitalist society. There are no guarantees of lifetime employment. And even in the most loving and committed marriage, sorry to sound morbid here, eventually one partner dies. Somebody ends up being alone. So are we supposed to have no expectations of anyone or anything? Nate, how can we live in a world without commitments? How can we live in a world without being able to count on people? The question we have to ask ourselves is, how do we react when an expectation, an attachment, is not met? This is where suffering enters. Expectation and attachments to specific outcomes lead us down a path of premeditated disappointment and down a path that leads to suffering. What if we look at it a different way? Are our hearts big enough to love people without attachments and without conditions? I'm not saying we remove all boundaries of a healthy relationship. We don't want to be abused, but rather we remove the attachments to specific outcomes that lead to suffering. Eh, sounds novel. Okay. How in the hell do we do that? This brings us to the concept of letting go. We have to start by reframing our relationship to loss. Everyone dies. Everything we own, everything we know will eventually be gone. Can we operate instead from a non-conditional mindset, non-attachment? Non-attachment is not about not caring or not loving. It's about freeing yourself from attachment to the outcomes of your care, to the outcomes of your love, to the outcomes of your giving, so that you can care and love and live and do these things freely without the unconscious agenda of expectation. Expectation is the fertile soil for disappointment. Disappointment over time leads to resentment. Resentment kills connection to others, kills love, and traps relationships into a cycle of conditional love. Do this for me. I will do this for you. David Hawkins, in his book, Letting Go, The Pathway to Surrender, explains in exacting scientific detail the medical and spiritual benefits tied to a lifelong practice of letting go. The more we let go, the more peace we have in our life. It's that simple. The more we hold on to, the more suffering we have in our life. Unlike the unexpectedness, the reactivity, and the raw suffering of loss, letting go is an intentional choice. Letting go is energetically moving towards something you want, namely peace. Loss is energetically moving away from something you don't want, namely suffering. So how do we let go 
when we are caught in those negative emotions of fear, anger, shame, blame, guilt, judgment, righteousness, pride, etc. We need a reminder of who we are and what we value most. We need a mission statement. Mission statements. In my podcast introduction, I mentioned our goal is to invigorate your mood and clarify your mission. Let's dig deeper into clarifying your mission. Businesses have mission statements, and they love to post inspirational statements that make them sound like the most altruistic enterprise ever. Consider these mission statements. Amazon. To be Earth's most customer-centric company where customers can find and discover anything they may want to buy online. Starbucks, to inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. I think you could replace a few words on Amazon and have it read instead, to be Earth's only company where customers can find and discover anything they may want to buy online. And for Starbucks, I would edit it to read, to addict the human species to caffeine, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. Many years ago, I did a personal growth experiential weekend through the Mankind Project. One of the takeaways of that weekend was an animal theme and a personal mission statement. Now, many years later, the Mankind Project ended up being sued by the Lakota Indian tribe for appropriating several of their cultural and spiritual practices, including animal names. I got to say, I support the Lakota Indian tribe's efforts. After all, hasn't the white man taken enough already from Native Americans? So the Mankind Project fortunately respected those requests and removed those items from their practices. But the mission statements remain. I've revised mine several times, boiling it down to the essence of how I want to live my life. When I find negative emotions creeping in, I remind myself of my mission statement. So how do you create a good mission statement for yourself? My friend and fellow writer, Robert Butler, you can find his post on thegoodmenproject.com, has a few tips for writing a good personal mission statement. First off, your mission statement needs a clear vision, the grand thing that you want in the world. For me, I want peace in the world. Your mission statement also needs a clear action. What will you do to help manifest your vision? I want to light the darkness with my love. Adding these together, here's my personal mission statement. I walk in peace and beauty, lighting the darkness with my love. My mission statement helps remind me who I am and why I'm here. If I find myself dipping into negative emotions, if things aren't working in my life, I will remind myself of my mission statement. Am I living my mission or have I gotten off track? And hearing someone else's mission statement can reveal a lot to you about that person, both who they want to be and also who they don't want to be. Let me unpack my mission statement a little bit deeper as an example. I walk. I don't run. I don't rush. I don't want to be stressed. In peace. I want to be at peace with my surroundings, not angry, not in conflict. And beauty. I can create a home and a life that is filled with beauty and abundance. My gardening is a part of my mission. Beauty invites creativity and artistry into my life. Lighting the darkness. I want to be a light, not a judgmental club of others. 
I share my spiritual practices with others and try to avoid judging. The darkness of all that is seen as wrong in the world is simply places that haven't been lit up yet, places that haven't been touched by love yet. And then the last part, with my love. Love is the highest vibratory force, stronger than hatred. Love unites, hate divides. I walk in peace and beauty, lighting the darkness with my love. Okay, so to sum all this up, a mission statement is a stable mast in the stormy seas of life. Write one for yourself. When resentments and attachments arise, repeat your mission statement and ask yourself if you're on mission. If not, slow down, breathe, readjust. That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for joining me in our exploration of starting over, learning about loss and love and mission statements. I hope you can take a few bits from this podcast and apply them to your life. For more about this podcast, go to coldwaterhotcopy.com. If you want to learn more about me, you can click the About button on our website menu. Remember, we're here to help you reclaim your teenage fire. You're not done yet with life. Let's fill the tank. Let's get you back on the road. Thanks for joining me for episode three of Cold Water Hot Coffee.